Now notice what happens. God doesn't throw them away because he's, 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 he's committed. God will always be up to his commitment to people. Sometimes people think, well, like, you know, I got to do this and I know it's not right, but God just keeps blessing me. He's not blessing you because you're being a fool. He blesses you because he's, he's God of his word. And so they cause the whole nation to grumble. God gets a little upset, we know. God first goes, I'm going to kill him. Moses is like, you can't kill him. <laughs> Thank God for Moses. You know? But what does he say? He took the, listen, please listen to this. He took the positioning of their heart and the words of their mouth, and he agreed with what they said. He said, okay, since that's your belief system, now go the other way. That's what he says. Paraphrase, Abner version. So the reason I'm saying that to you is because it is extremely important, the positioning of your heart in this season, because it's determining the next 10 to 12 years of your life. Notice, too, Caleb is still there, and he's the one who inherits what God said. I love what he says. I'm as strong now as I was 40 years ago. And he receives what God has for him. And it was not just a victory for him, but for his family. But Deuteronomy 1 tells us something really interesting. When they eventually go into the promised land, you know, remember they go and they, they talk with the, the Rahab. Read that. It's really, but, but here's the other part about that, that in Deuteronomy 1. That's, I encourage you to read that. In Deuteronomy 1, Moses kind of gives like this paraphrased version of what's taking place there. And he says they had rebellion in their hearts. So unbelief and an inability to receive what God has made available to a generation is actually rebellion. A failure to serve your generation is rebellion against God. But they, 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 they go to this, this prostitute. This is, Moses doesn't talk about this, but they go to this prostitute. It's really interesting. What do they do again? The spies go out into the land. They go, and she makes this statement. She goes, we heard about your fame. And we wondered basically when you were coming because we knew as soon as you came, it was basically we're going to lose. So God has victories for you that unless you trust him to receive, you'll never see. They were already defeated, but they focused on the characteristics who they were. So my encouragement to you out of that is allow your heart to be positioned correctly. Allow the Lord to adjust and to change and to shift the deep places in your heart that need adjusting and shifting. The first thing that God gives is the image of God to man. The image is the character, the nature, the personality of God. And so the personality of God rests on a people who take dominion in the earth. Our defining moment will be determined by our positioning. Then I'm going to go back to 2007.
March 22, 2007, I was spending some time with the Holy Spirit, and he dropped in me the following vision into my spirit. I saw a dead body on stage with young people speaking life into the dead body. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I will not only do this in the natural, but also do this in the spiritual. The Holy Spirit is calling forth a generation of deadness into life. Jesus is truly the resurrection and life, and he's calling this generation that seems so spiritually empty back to life. He is calling in this hour those things which are non-existent to appear to be dead in the body of Christ to come alive. Churches and groups that are spiritually dead and non-existent to come alive and come forth in this hour. The call should be made clear in, in this hour that those who want to be part of what I'm doing this hour must pay clear attention to what the Holy Spirit is saying in this hour. For I seek to revive that which is dead for the raising of life. Just as the town took notice when Lazarus rose from the dead, so too will the nations take notice when I raise to life that which I want to do in this hour. I saw a stadium filled to capacity with people and the glory of God descending on that place. They were not there to meet with the man or, they, or just to come to a meeting, but, but they were there because they heard that if they came hungry, God would meet with them. As they worship, healings take place all over the crowd. Creative healing, ears growing into place where there are no ears. Blind eyes that have never seen the light of day are being opened. Muscles growing back into place where there were not muscles. All this happened as the Holy Spirit orchestrates. The worship band is quite simple, but a cloud of the manifest presence of God is clearly seen by many over the stage in which they worship. The angels hover over the stage as other angels dance to the right and to the left of the stage. There's a clear open heaven over the stage where the worship team ministers. At this point in the vision, I was reminded of Jacob's latter experience described in Genesis 28. A young man stands to speak and encourage the people to continue to press into everything that the Holy Spirit is doing all around the stadium. He also prays and asks God for more of his fire to fall. Fireballs from heaven fall upon the people. As they hit the people, the power of God hits them and bodies shake and weep under the power of God. There's a deep sense of brokenness that hovers over the people as they're in complete awe of what the Holy Spirit is doing throughout the stadium. Reporters who are intrigued by what is taking place gather at the stadium to report of thousands of people who have come to meet with God. Some try and criticize but are immediately hit with conviction. Others receive calls from their home base asking exactly what is taking place because there are reports of fire over the entire stadium and people just wailing before the Lord as they walk up the streets. Others report of people leaving bars and heading to the stadium to see what the Lord is doing. Now a dead body has been brought into the stadium. And instead of fear and trembling, people, come up, people in the crowd begin to get excited and begin to declare, live, live. Others hold their Bible in the air and cry out that Jesus would be glorified through the death and resurrection of this person. Now the scene is switched to the outside of the stadium. The flow of traffic from the entire city is headed toward the massive stadium. The huge billboard outside simply declares, God is in the house. 21st day, come anytime and meet with God. It's now evening and the lights are on in the stadium and another young man is preaching. He appears to be Hispanic. In fact, he's preaching in Spanish. It's being interpreted in English. He's simply declaring that the work that Jesus did on the cross, he, and he calls those forward who need Jesus in their life to come forward. Many come also with Hispanic faces. A young Hispanic man, the young Hispanic man preaching begins to pray. As he prays, nearly half of those who have come for the offer of salvation are now on their backs. Many are slithering on the ground, apparently demon-possessed. You know, one of the graces that's going to come in the earth is a healthy, 
deliverance ministry. It's an essential of the faith. Augustine, who I may not agree with everything he said, but he did write this about the early church. He said, before you could be ordained into ministry, you'd have at least two to three rounds of deliverance to make sure that those who were ordained to the gospel ministry got rid of all the creepy crawlers inside them. <laughs> if I was... Listen, this is, this is just an understanding of the world that we, the, the, the world and even among the body of Christ. And again, it's Hosea 4, 6 says, the people were not destroyed because of the devil. They were destroyed because of ignorance. So often what the enemy does is he creates theologies to keep people from being free. Think about how strategic the enemy's been over the years. You know, at the turn of the century, most, quote-unquote, what we call spirit-filled, early Pentecostal, classic Pentecostals were fundamentalists and poor. So they began to think, think about this. One of the great inventions of our lifetime was media. So he convinced the people who were supposed to use the media to spread the gospel around the world that the TV was bad. Think about what he did. The TV's bad. Now we laugh, but I don't know. Maybe I probably would have been as ignorant as they were. Thank God I live now that I know a little more. There was a time when Christian college presidents wrote uh, the heads of Hollywood and said, send us your best and brightest. We want them to help us produce things. And they said, we'd rather our students go to hell. So their belief system became what we see today. We'd rather you go to hell, so they went to hell. But think about what the enemy did, even in just the area of media. That's not the devil. And then, so he, he controlled that space, and then he made it really expensive for believers to get in that space, and then he convinced believers that you should be poor. <laughs> think about how ignorance destroys you. That's why every morning, Ephesians 1, spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because what you don't know, you don't know. So there is a healthy deliverance ministry coming. Not everything's a demon, but lots of things are. <laughs> so he creates theologies like, I got it all when I said the prayer. You got access to all, but you still haven't applied all. <laughs> Demons love, religious spirits love that one. You're fine. You're fine. And he goes, yes, I can stay in hundreds of people now. <laughs> no, it's serious. Amen, brother. And that demon saying amen, you know, with you. you know? He's like, I get to stay around another hundred years in this family, you know. <laughs> Many are slithering on the ground, apparently demon-possessed. The young man declares that where sin abounds, the grace of God abounds much more. 
You know why I'm really passionate about that? Because freedom is a really beautiful thing. Jesus came so he wouldn't have to have any terrors at night. Jesus came that your body could be whole. Jesus came to restructure your whole lineage in righteousness. Jesus came so your children would never have to struggle with the same temptations and addictions that you struggle with. Jesus came to deliver your family lineage. Jesus came for complete freedom. Jesus came so as a man, if you had your grandchild holding you, you would not become aroused. You got to get that real sometimes. Jesus came so you could hug a woman and not have 800 images come to your mind that you've been tormented with. Don't accept half freedom and shout victory for her. Wholeness, purity. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus came, so when you came to Redemption House, you wouldn't feel better for just a few hours and then go home completely. God, what am I going to do? People run to those who are apparently demon-possessed and declare that they must go and bow to the name of Jesus. The scene now again switches to the crowd standing simply worshiping. The presence of the Holy Spirit is very evident as the people worship. I love this part. The young man introduces the mayor of the city, and, and although I cannot hear in which city or nation all this has taken place, the mayor stands up and declares the city to be a refuge and a sanctuary for the Most High God, Jesus Christ. He also states that earlier that day, he had been on the phone with mayors from all around the country, and they too were wanting to publicly declare their cities as refuge for the Most High God, Jesus Christ. I want to close with this dialogue I had with the Lord right before a conference that we hosted called Reformation Conference. It was this dialogue that the Lord just began to talk to me about the body of Christ. And he just said this to me. He said, and it's very interesting to me because sometimes it's so easy to point out what's wrong with us. And actually, he doesn't have any other plan except us. No, it's not like God has a plan B. It's his body. When I look at my beautiful church, I do not look at it through the cleanse as a critic or one with harsh judgment. I view my church through the lens of a loving father who has just seen the birth of his first and only child. I see the end from the beginning. I see a victorious church overcoming every challenge of identity and fully living in the inheritance that I've freely given it. I see young and old coming together to form a remnant of people who will be architects of a culture of the kingdom that has never been fully expressed, but is my great desire and will. When I see my church, I see my people moving with the same compassion my, hat, my son had when he ministered to the multitudes and he walked the earth. When I see my church, I see a company of people who will stand on a sure foundation of the kingdom that will never be shaken. When I see my church, 
I see an army of warriors who will overthrow strongholds of darkness that have existed for thousands of years and replacing them with kingdom realities. When I see my church, I see a people who, as they align with me, will, will, will release excuse me, the beautiful sounds that the earth has ever heard and will open the earth and, yes, the very ground to receive the glory of God in an unprecedented way. I want to pause here because um, one of the things um, that I know, I don't have a full understanding or full theology, but I, I, I want to encourage you to inquire of the Lord in this, and that is that land actually gets healed when the people of God operate properly in that land. Paul, you know, we know what Paul said, the earth groans for the sons of God to appear. The world that God created, the earth that we live in, the land that we live in, actually knows to respond to the right words of God. That's why prophecy is so important. That's why right words are so important. That's why even in a culture like this, really respect the word of the Lord and don't, don't treat it as casual. Don't you, oh, I hear this all the time. And because there's a healing that is released in a land when you align with what God is saying. But there is understanding, I'm telling you, if God were to turn America exactly as he wants it to turn, there has to be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that discerns some, how to pray, how to act properly, because I don't have all the language to it, but we know something in this foundation of this nation was perverted at the beginning where it keeps falling in certain places, keeps being exposed in certain things, and we have some godly attributes that's produced the most wealth, all these different things, but there is something in the very foundation of the land that if we learn to pray properly, it will be unlocked and bring a healing to this land. And I want to declare to you, it's not a Republican, and it's not a Democrat, it's not a capitalist, but there is an understanding God wants to give his people to bring a healing to America. And I want to say that because much of intercession, my heart grieves because it's clouded by the wrong lens. And so if we cannot pray correctly, we will not see the healing that God desires for us. And we are responsible for stewarding that. See yourself as responsible for being a watchman for the land in America. It grieves me that some believers would have things like, let's go branded. It grieves me that you would take that posture when you're cursing the land that God has given you. When I see my church, I see billions yet to come to the saint of knowledge of my son, but whose eyes will be open on the appointed day to see the king. I see my people coming into a realm of creativity the world is yet to see so that I would be glorified in every sphere of society. There are inventions to be discovered and solutions to society that currently have not been discovered, but they're hidden in my heart for my children to discover. Hear that. That's for some of you. Your prosperity 
is captured in things that, do, that are not on the earth right now, but God wants to give you. Your prosperity is in the realm of God in things that do not exist right now on the earth. These divine discoveries would bring great joy and substance and be a blessing to the earth. I see my church vastly different than many of my people, even in those key positions of leadership, see my church. I'm calling my people to see my church as I see my church. Reformation is my will and my purpose for my people to see my church and to exist as my church so that, I, so that how I see can become reality. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said this, what I said, mentioned a go ago. I, I was kind of laughed when he said, he said this to me, I have no other plan for the earth except that which would be birthed through the church that I promised to build and the gates of Hades would not prevail. But let's really discern this. Organization doesn't mean the church. Churches can take on organizations, but it doesn't mean that. I'm not against it. I have one. But we have to discern what that is. And I'll close with this prophetic word here. The greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit has been birthed and cannot be stopped. It's a global outpouring that will witness the power of the primitive church come on the people of God. In a Western world, the defining feature of this outpouring will be a clear difference between those in the household of faith and those outside my body. This is for some of you. So do not grow weary in well-doing. Instead, embrace the process you now find yourself in and know I will fulfill all that I've spoken if you stay the course. I'll be faithful to perform my word. No spirit of society will be exempt from what I'm doing on the earth. This is the hour of birthing. This is the hour of glory. This is the hour of overcoming. This is the hour of steadfast focus on the mission for which I've placed you on the earth. There's, um, One more closing. We'll pray. Do you know what I've learned? Learning your purpose is not the hardest thing in God. It's discerning what to do when you know your purpose that's the hardest thing. That's the most challenging thing. And here's something really sobering. You, be, you can be quote-unquote successful, but you will have nothing to give God when you see Him and are judged for your life if what you were successful in is not what He called you to do. The most dangerous thing is to be successful at something God never called you to be in. So I want to close with, ask God what you're supposed to be spending your time doing in this season. And redeem the time. Don't live as fools, but live circumspectly, because the days are evil. Let me say.